Section 7 of Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts by David Alec Wilson. Section 7 Where Tigers Flourish. Part 4 at very close quarters on seeing that the tiger was round our camp i took extra precautions and made all the men stop in one place just behind my tent and gave orders to my indian servants to have their dinner early and to sleep with the burmese coolies my cook an indian would not stop near the burmans though told to do so several times he had his kitchen fire just in front of my tent however i told him he must sleep with the other men the other Indians also told him not to be a fool and stay away by himself. To them he replied that he was not afraid, and that if it was his fate, the tiger would have him. He said, If it takes me, it will be a case of one crunch and all will be over, and that is just what happened. I was having dinner early, before it got quite dark, so as to get them in together. The cook had given me my soup and had cleared the plate and put a roast fowl before me, and had gone back to the fire and was standing with a knife in his hand watching the pudding on the fire i was just carving the chicken when i heard the cook give a frightened cry and on looking up i saw the tiger spring onto the cook in jumping up i upset the table and the lamp on it also a glass of beer that had just been poured out for me and ran out shouting at the tiger and threw my table knife at it my dogs two terriers and a spaniel were sitting by my table and jumped up and ran after the tiger with me and attacked it. One terrier and the spaniel were killed on the spot, and the other dog got away. In spite of this, the tiger went off with the cook. I thought the tiger had got the cook by the back, but the sweeper who was standing close by with my goats, that is to say, had been there when the tiger came, said it had got him by the head, and so it turned out to be the case. On hearing me shout, the sweeper ran into the tent and got my rifle and cartridges and handed them to me. I put in a cartridge and fired in the direction the tiger had gone, and this had the effect of making him drop the cook, but we did not know it at the time as no one would venture into the forest to look for him. This, of course, upset everyone in camp, and all huddled round my tent as close as they could and shouted and beat tins all night. No one would even go to replenish the fire unless I went with them, though it was not three yards from my tent. All that night the tiger kept moving round the tent, and I kept it off by firing shots whenever we heard it walking in the leaves, and saw its eyes shining like live coals in the dark. Here it may be noted that the eyes of a tiger, shining through the blackness of the outer dark, are a phenomenon hard to forget, if once you see them. In this instance, whatever strange light shone in them may have been intensified by the glare of the campfire reflected in those glistening optics but no such addition was possible in another case credibly reported to me and of more recent date in the extreme north of burma a tiger ventured into the sepoy lines one night and entering the open door of a hut it killed and carried away a man asleep in bed his comrades chased and mobbed the beast which dropped the corpse and escaped the sepoys taking counsel together put out the lights and hushed all noises as if every one was asleep and in fact they were back in their huts and the door of the dead man's dwelling stood open as before only in ambush 
below or beside the bed, in a dark corner, a brave man was waiting, rifle ready, and the tiger did come back to that identical door that night, and was shot, exactly as the sepoys had hoped. What lingers in the memory best, of all the details of that adventure, is that the man who lay in wait told the magistrate, who told me, that when the tiger came, all he saw was the eyes in the doorway, shining into the room like two colored lamps, filling the room with tinted light. So he felt that hiding was impossible, and banged away. One other remark may be intercalated to let readers realize what is what. Even to men of experience in tiger attacks, the swift suddenness of events is a continual surprise. The tiger practices surprise tactics, and his attack often is, and always is when he can manage it, like a railway collision. It takes long to tell, but only a few seconds to happen. Let us now return to Mr. Allen's journal. Early next morning, as soon as it was light enough to see, I started to look for the body of the cook, and found it not ten paces from where he had been cooking. The jungle, as I said before, was very thick, so we could not see it at night. The tiger must have dropped the corpse when Mr. Allen fired. He had therefore lost his supper. Probably enough, that was why he continued prowling round. D.W. The tiger had caught the cook by the head, as the sweeper had said, for one fang had gone into his right eye and had knocked it out. Another had gone into his throat just below the chin, and two had gone into the skull and neck at the back. So it must have taken the whole head into its mouth, for it was a pulp with the brains coming out. We dug a shallow grave for the poor old cook and buried him, and then left that forest as fast as a man could lay legs to the ground, for nothing would induce them to stop another hour. They yelled and shouted till they got right clear of the forest. In leaving the forest, no one wanted to be the last in the line for fear of being taken from the back, so I brought up the rear. It only remains to be added that in 1895, though the tigers remained as usual, Mr. Allen finished the demarcation work so tragically interrupted, and even took his wife to see the grave of the cook. End of section 7. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.